We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You knew the risks when you decided to drive drunk. There could be a crash. People could get hurt or killed. But that didn't stop you, did it? You knew you could get arrested. You could incur huge legal expenses, and you could possibly even lose your job. You were well aware of the consequences of driving drunk. But one thing's for sure. You were wrong when you said it was no big deal. Drive sober or get pulled over. This message brought to you by NHTSA. KJ Podcast, my people, what's going on? We are winding down March, one of the busiest months on the NFL calendar. We have rule changes to discuss. The Dominican Sioux to the Rams. Odell Beckham Jr. pack his bags. He's going to get traded, I think, on draft day, if not a couple days before. And no, it won't be the 49ers, but San Francisco made a couple headlines down at the owners' meetings in Orlando. Got a fun little announcement for all the KJ Podcast listeners. I'm going to be hosting a NFL draft party, live podcast, meetup, hangout, at a sports bar in San Francisco. Still ironing out all the details, but 426 that Thursday. Clear your schedule. Get off work early if you can. Details coming, but KJ Podcast meetup. It's time the faithful we get together, have some high-level discussions about this football team. Celebrate the player. Hopefully, John Lynch picks at nine. So details coming on that. I might I might bring some t-shirts, some some mugs. We're going big on the KJ podcast. I am finding alternative avenues to connect with this fan base. Does it need to be in the locker room? KJ Podcast, you're going to get NFL analysis. I think this was a huge week for the league at large, the NFL, more so than just the 49ers. So we'll start there, the rule changes. My first take on this, 
if you're obsessing over the catch rule, that's not the rule change that you need to worry about. The catch rule now to me is like baseball. Tie goes to the runner. If it's questionable and we think he caught it, they're going to call it a catch. There was too much overturning done with instant replay the past five years. You got guys like John Gruden saying, get rid of replay. And they're not completely crazy because it's just overanalyzing the minute details. If it looks like a catch, it's a catch. The NFL is good about changing rules. I've said that all the time on this podcast. The deeper discussion to have is about the hit rule. NFL making it illegal to initiate contact with your helmet. It will be penalized in-game and could lead to ejections. Players are extremely upset. Richard Sherman, Josh Norman, everyone voicing concern on Twitter, saying there's going to be more lower body injuries. This is a rare time where I'm going to defend the NFL. I think they made a good decision with this rule. Fines were not getting the job done. A $35,000 fine was not making the sport less violent. I think you need to penalize on the field. You are hurting your team if you're a violent player and leading with the head. Is it going to make football less vicious? 100%. This is not going to be the jacked up ESPN primetime style of football five, 10 years from now. This rule is going to take a long time to implement. It's going to be called inconsistently for a year, two, or three. But the league has 100% validity when they point to Ryan Chazier, 291 concussions. They have to do something on the field. They cannot skirt around the issue any longer. They want this to become a college football rule, a high school rule. They want to do this from the top and experiment themselves and trust that they have 15 million viewers every week who are still going to watch the NFL, you're not going to turn it off because it's not violent enough. That's sick of you. To me, the NFL made a noble and responsible decision where they know that's going to upset some fans and make current players criticize them. But the bigger picture is making sure this sport is growing with young fans at the rate basketball and soccer is. And really, the only way to compete is to get people in pads and a helmet. You're going to have football fans, but you're going to have less of them if people aren't playing high school football anymore. Friday nights aren't the same. You have to have baseline energy for football. You can't just invest in the NFL. The, The NFL made a football decision here. This was getting younger people and their parents back on board. They had to do something drastic. The head injuries are still just way too prevalent. I totally get if you don't agree with me. I don't think I'm in the majority here. Why I also like it, though, is smart defensive players are going to win now. You're going to learn new techniques. There's going to be significant practice time dedicated to how to tackle and not leave with your head because a lot of players grew up playing that way. Vicious players in the league who can manage their body control in the air in their head, they've learned to be violent like this. It's been acceptable. Violent play is going to be penalized. No ifs, ands, or buts. If you're a dirty player, and they've already started to do it with guys like Vontez Burfick, like it's just not acceptable. But 
even guys closer to him. Ruben Foster, when he gets back on the field, he's actually pretty damn good about delivering body hits. You're going to have to have proper technique. So I like it because smart defensive players are going to become a lot more valuable. You're going to have to know how to hit without being violent. Listen, the sport is still going to have collisions. It's not going to look like it's flag football. People are so up in arms. It is true that this is another advantage for the offense, though. This puts the defense at such a disadvantage already in a passing league, already where they're barely able to make contact just on press coverage. Pass interference down the field is such a large penalty. I mean, playing defense in the NFL is a freaking difficult task. It makes defensive players that more valuable. It makes me think the 49ers automatically have to go defensive player here. If you if you have a bad defense, you have no chance. Offense is getting easier with this rule change. Defensive players, it's going to take them a while to adjust. I think there's going to be a lot of commotion and people pissed off on Twitter on Sundays. I can't believe it. He's he's been injected. And I hate targeting too in college football and they go to review and it slows down the game, but to me, as someone who's benefited from football, I want to see the sport prosper. I don't want to see football drop off. And 20 years from now, we said, wow, remember when it was at its heyday and it was so great? The NFL has to connect with a younger generation. They have to make the sport more safe. They are initiating this. We'll see how it plays out. I don't think they're going to eject as many people as they say. I think it's just more 15-yard flags anytime there's a major hit. Really, anytime there's an injury. I hope there's no flopping involved. Like, There's going to be a bumpy adjustment period. And I am one who thinks it's worth it for the longevity of the sport. So that's where I'm coming from. NFL rule changes. Orlando, Florida. Owners meetings. NFL draft. Pro days. I mean, how many... How much activity can one league have? It's just absolutely absurd how many storylines come out and what's a big deal in this player in a contract year and what position is he playing? Who's losing weight? Who's getting traded? Let's go to Ndamukong Sue. A lot of overreaction, a lot of freaking out. The Rams are now the leader in the NFC. Maybe they might be. I think a lot of pressure is in Los Angeles now on a second-year head coach in Sean McVay. I'll call him really a second-year quarterback in Jared Goff. He didn't play much his rookie year or get anything out of that year. Um, They lost in the first round of the playoffs last year to the Falcons. They're going to look completely different on defense. They still might trade for Odell Beckham. I mean, they are making every move possible here. Just a weird salary cap situation, too. They're going all in for two or three years here before they have to literally pay everyone. They're not going to be able to afford it. They're going to figure out who to pay. Uh, the one-year deal in the Dominican Sioux, $14 million. They're scary up front. They have Marcus Peters, Aqib Tlaib now. They don't really have weaknesses. So you're thinking they're going to go 12-4. and four. That's fine. The 49ers can still be a wild card in the NFC West. And I think in a playoff matchup, if it ever came to that against the Rams, I would feel very confident being the underdog against that team. With Jimmy Garoppolo, I like how the 49ers are now not the favorites to win the NFC West. There was a little too much Kool-Aid being dumped. 
a lot of expectations, a lot of pressure. Guess what? Jimmy Garoppolo, it's not going to be a little small game plan for him anymore, just chopped up and a little menu for him to look at. He's going to have to look at the whole menu. It's going to be different processing. It's going to be a learning experience. I think he's still going to light the league on fire and be a top five to seven quarterback next season and put the 49ers around 10 and six. But um, I think this eases some of the pressure makes the Rams really have to live up to the hype. And I think the 49ers have a better quarterback situation. Obviously way less on defense, but just enough on offense to, I think, score and compete with the Rams. I hope it's not Monday night with those teams. I want a little bit of buildup. Make that week three, week four. Let's let them both get off to a hot start or the Rams get off to a bad start and this game is big. Get up early. Rams going all in. If they don't make the NFC Championship game this season, someone they're going to blame someone. Was it Jared Goff? Was Todd Gurley not the same? Was it the O-line, the play calling? So Rams have put great expectations on themselves. I think that helps the 49ers. Yeah, Sue's going to be a problem. Weston Richburg, is he enough? Joshua Garnett, is that enough? Jonathan Cooper, maybe not. Kyle will get creative. It'll be shotgun four wide receivers. It'll be a lot of end arounds. It'll... They'll find ways to mute playmakers. Kyle can try and take a playmaker out of a game as best he can, scheme it up so you're attacking a weakness, wherever that is. It looks like it's the middle of the field for the Rams. They're going to have D-line set, and their outside corners, they have pretty decent safety play. They got rid of Alec Ogletree. I would look for them to draft some linebackers in April. Um, not, I'm not frightened of the Rams. If Jared Goff showed me a lot more, and look, he can still develop, but I'm not to the point with the Rams where I'm like, the 49ers can't beat him. They're playing for second place. And if so, we're in year one of Jimmy Garoppolo's deal. We're in year two of John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan. Rams are the rival. That's awesome. The NFC West has flipped the momentum. These used to be bottom feeders for many, many years, and it looks like this is going to be a fun rivalry. Week three with Brian Hoyer was a fucking fantastic game. Imagine when it's Jimmy Garoppolo against Jared Goff. So, yeah, I mean, that would be sick if 49ers-Rams became 49ers-Seahawks, how that was earlier in the decade, if this did end up two years from now being the NFC Championship game. On paper, you would say, oh, yeah, Marcus Peters, Aqib Tlaib, they're shutting down Pierre Garçon, Marquise Goodwin. There's no way. Jimmy Garoppolo, his first full year, is going to be able to take on a defense like this. I wouldn't go that far yet. Let's see how this synergy continues to develop with Kyle Shanahan. I think there are going to be bumps in the road, but I think it's going to click by November, December. This team's rolling. Jimmy G has such a good grasp of everything going on. Listen, he's only played, he's played less than 10 NFL games. Normally, quarterbacks get better the more they play, the more they see. And then the question becomes, how long will the Rams keep this team together? Aaron Donald is getting whatever he wants, probably 55 to $60 million guaranteed. Aqib Tlaib's a free agent next offseason. So is Marcus Peters. Then you've got Jared Goff you're going to have to pay two years from now. Same with Todd Gurley two years from now. Can you keep this full puzzle together? Especially with Sue in here now too. They are making a go for it. You've got to admire the front office for pulling off these moves. 
They're bringing a bunch of different puzzle pieces together and just trusting Sean McVay and Wade Phillips are such a strong coaching tandem. They'll make it work. The offense hasn't changed much at all. Um, I am not scared of the Rams. They put themselves in a position to compete for a Super Bowl this year. If they do anything less, it's going to be a disappointment. So, good luck. I love when teams try and shoot for the moon. Right now, the 49ers are still at that underdog stage. They're still, they still have to prove it. Kyle has never been a head coach in a playoff game. Jimmy Garoppolo has never started a playoff game. This defense still is, I think, 15th in the league at best, hopefully, this year. Without Reuben Foster, I mean, depending on which rookie they draft and how big of an impact they make and what kind of improvements we see, this team still has flaws. I listed that top 20 last week of pieces. You still need some superstars more at the top, um, some more younger elite players. This draft is going to be immensely important to the 49ers. And no, I'm not trading the number nine overall pick for Odell Beckham Jr., Reports flying out of New York all week. Now the Giants are apparently asking for two first-round picks. This is such an interesting question about Odell Beckham because he's a proven commodity and he's definitely a top-five wide receiver. I have him at five, Mike Evans at four, Julio three, DeAndre Hopkins two, Antonio Brown number one. Isn't a... Top five weapon, you're trying to draft that. You normally swing and miss when you try and identify a receiver. I mean, it's a very tough guessing game. Don't you just want to take the sure thing, give up that third and fourth? At the end of the day, I don't think having an elite receiver that you have to pay a ton of money and that's going to hurt you in trying to add other pieces to your team. I think having a receiver for that type of money on a less explosive time in his career as Odell Beckham Jr. is 26, 27, 28. It's not as worth it as when he's younger and you can draft a guy. So it's a it's a philosophy thing. I think certain team will end up biting and maybe it's just a first, a third, and a fourth. The Giants, though, I think they should move on from him. Try and get some capital now. They really should be thinking quarterback at two anyway. They should be thinking major rebuild. They're, Odell's going to walk. They're, they're not going to end up paying him up there. And I'm into this. I argued last year the Redskins should have traded Kirk Cousins because there was no way he was going to come back, not after Scott McLuhan had just been fired. It's just too much of an organizational mess. It's why Jimmy Garoppolo was traded too. It's the same exact thing. There's a lot of trades in the NFL now. Teams realize when a player is not working out for them, but their value around the league is still considered high. Hey, let's move on from now. Let's try and get the most out of this. I would say the Cleveland Browns would make most sense if Odell Beckham Jr. was traded. They have so much draft capital. One of his best friends, Jarvis Landry, is already up there. They're about to get a franchise quarterback. Um, You talk about winning over the fan base, even if they win four games next season. That's not why you make moves in the NFL, but... He would fit there for sure and would be the main guy and would put the Browns in a competitive spot this season with Tyrod Taylor. Still, it's just too much for him. If Odell Beckham was a free agent, different discussion. I think the 49ers would consider him because he's an elite talent. 
He's way above an Allen Robinson, way above a Sammy Watkins, but just he's not worth draft capital where you're going to net starters and hopefully randomly pick a third-round guy who becomes a star. That's the point of the NFL draft is day two and three. Oh, wow, we, we just got huge value when other teams are swinging and missing. So it's just too important, and it costs too much. If the Giants keep him and he hits free agency somehow and they really screw this thing up, we can have that discussion in 2019. But right now, Odell Beckham Jr. doesn't make sense. I feel like we don't even have to get into the Jimmy Ward news. We've been talking about this on the podcast for so long. He should have been playing corner for a long time. That is his position. He's a backup outside corner and situational nickel, depending on the matchup with K1, who guards someone better. He's your backup, really, at all five positions, as Kyle said down at the meeting. So... Um, no major news there. That's That was the big headline coming out of it. Joshua Garnett today tweeting he's 302 pounds. That's exciting. If he ends up starting at right guard or even left guard and they put Thomason or Cooper at right, whatever they, they do there, if Garnett's a valuable piece this year, that's going to help the run game and that's going to help the offense score more points. So it's 11 guys. Kyle will say that quote ad nauseum and you'll just be like, okay, we get it. It's all 11 guys, and if this first-round pick turns into something because the 49ers let him change his body and just whatever, it's the first season, and he actually comes out and proves it, smart, visionary thinking from John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. We'll see what happens in training camp. O-line play is really hard to determine there, as I've said, so... Um, Got to talk about Johnny meeting with the Patriots. I guess it's not an official meeting. It was just more scouts and they've been chatting with him. What a turn of events that would be for Brian Hoyer, who thought he finally escaped him. Now Hoyer's the backup. Now he's got to compete with Johnny in training camp. I think it would be a Belichick move. He loves former Browns. He brought in Dion Lewis, Barkevius Mingo. John Hughes was a guy. Jabal Sheard, he's an ex-Cleveland guy himself. Somewhere in the back of his mind, he likes to give those Cleveland guys a second chance. It's been a pattern. He's, it's been a team. He's traded them Jamie Collins, too. He, some, some kind of weird connection with him and the Browns. There's a couple moves I'm not thinking of. Johnny said it himself. You can't say now Johnny's name without mentioning Colin Kaepernick. I even put a poll out there. 80% of you think Colin Kaepernick should be in the league before... Johnny Manziel. Listen, Johnny has arm talent. There is a little bit of potential, but yeah, Colin Kaepernick is bringing a track record. Why isn't Seattle calling Colin Kaepernick at this point? What has happened? If there is a league-wide mandate or blackball, I feel like it would have been exposed or leaked. I, I really feel like Jed York or one of the good owners who is on this side, some type of story would have gotten out there if there was collusion, in my opinion, Maybe there will one day. Maybe it takes years from now for someone to speak up. But just unbelievable. Colin Kaepernick is worthy of being one of the 90 players on a football team. Maybe not 53. If he comes in there and is awful and doesn't make the team and he's awful in the preseason, yes, it'll make sense. He deserves to be in the NFL preseason this year. It's so absurd. I hope Eric Reed gets signed. The 49ers should give Eric Reed a bone if it's June, if it's it's coming up to training camp to make their roster. 
and if it's premeditated and they know that they just wouldn't keep him, then don't do it. But if they're actually going to give him a chance to come in and compete and, and be a backup and just let him acknowledge that we're going younger here with Colbert and Tart, you've got to be the backup here. Um, you know, I'm not the social justice commentator at all, but these two guys obviously are former 49ers and they're no longer have teams. I feel for them. Uh, they're both talented enough to be in the league. KJ Podcast, hitting the heavy issues at the end here. Those two guys should be on a team. I would like to see Johnny Manziel back in the league. I would like to see any former player back in the league that I once crossed paths with. I, I root for guys as long as they're not complete assholes to me. <laughs> Being in the media was fun. Being the day-to-day reporter was fun. Glad I get to give you analysis now. Bigger picture view. Still talking to so many of my people around the league. Greatest thing about working for the Browns. They fire everyone. They move on. You have so many different players. Former coaches. Scouts. Now with different teams all around the league. KJ Podcast. Live. For the NFL Draft. At a sports bar in San Francisco. Details coming. I will be getting heavier into draft prospects come April. I have not given you the deep dive yet because it's still so early. Free agency is March. The draft is now. Harold Landry is number one on my board. I don't care if it's a reach at nine and you could get him at 20. He could be a Vic Beasley type of pass rusher. 10 sack a year guy. That is presenting a ton of problems. Now, look, one side of the field, Harold Landry's got on lock. One side of the field, Richard Sherman's got on lock. DeForest Buckner's got the middle on lock. Ruben Foster gets his shit together. All of a sudden, you have a lot of positions on lock. Same with Adrian Colbert, too. And I've said, listen, the defense, they need work. They're not a top 10 unit. Even if everyone plays really well, they just, they don't have a ton of playmakers. They have a lot of guys. Malcolm Smith is going to be a huge piece this year. If he can play close to how Ruben Foster did, and that's a huge ask, and I don't think he can do it, but if he can play at a competent level, then I think everything can be glued together. If he doesn't, then the run game's not going to be good. Ruben was so good in the run game. Again, I think Foster will be suspended like 8 to 10 games. KJ Podcasts. Going all over the place at the end here. NFL, the sport that never sleeps. I think I stole that from uh, Wall Street, that movie. Money never sleeps. The NFL never sleeps. Harold Landry, number one on my draft board. I don't know about Marcus Davenport. Seems like a project and it could take him a couple years to, to make an impact. I want an impact edge rush player. Am I drafting for need? Kind of. Is he still one of the best players available? I think so. Harold Landry played through pain in 2017. His 2016 tape is out of this world. And yeah, he only has one kind of move. It's around the edge. He's got to develop more. Are we saying the best football coaches are at Boston College? I mean, of course. Harold Landry, you're going to count on becoming an even better pass rusher. So... He's the athlete. He's the guy I've zeroed in on. I love Denzel Ward, but if you draft him, Akilah Weatherspoon's not starting then. You're going to start your first-round pick, I would assume. So all these plans and hype of him being a cornerback number one go down the drain. You do have to look at the rest of your roster. You can't just take best player available with the first-round pick. 
Um, trade down scenarios will obviously be observed. Looks like the Dolphins would be a trade partner. Maybe it was just to jump up a couple spots there. Maybe not. I think I said it. I was I think I was one of the first to say it. I think all the quarterbacks could be going top ten, and Lamar Jackson still in the first round and Mason Rudolph because if you don't have one, you don't have a choice. You got to you. You're throwing a dart. Uh, KJ podcast. I keep saying the name of the podcast. How freaking annoying is that? Probably. NFL Network on in the background. It's just a random Jets-Dolphins game from this year. Josh McCown's playing right now. I, I absolutely love this league. McCown just threw a pick six to end the game. Dolphins win. 49ers are going to be doing some winning next season. They're going to build on that December five-game win streak. They're going to go 10-6 and six is pretty much what I'm sticking with, and they're going to be in a wild-card spot. We'll talk to you next week, KJ Podcast. I'm out. the high fashion hotline hi my family has big plans for labor day weekend but our outfits aren't measuring up then get to old navy old navy yep old navy's huge labor day sale is on now get 50 percent off all jeans 50 percent off all dresses 50 percent off all tees and 50 percent off all sweatshirts and hoodies for the whole family 50 percent off all those styles that's a big deal so is this style started just six bucks at old navy and old navy.com change of plans we're spending the weekend at old navy high fashion old navy valid 830-93 excludes in store clearance active licensed and men's package tees i'm not Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.